1: The BHP Podcast is proudly presented by Dead Down Wind, Stealth Cam, Tinks, Skull Hooker, Grind Life Coffee, Burris Optics. We also want to tell you guys to check out the new Fred Bear Field Notes Podcast, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Learn about Fred Bear and his heritage. It's something you're not going to want to miss, and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bowhunter Planets
2: podcast.
1: And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Tony LaPratt. Tony, how are you
2: doing? Very well today. Beautiful weather here.
1: Oh, it sure is. So if anybody doesn't know him, which you probably should by now if you hunt whitetails and, and the things that Tony does to your properties and, and what he can do for uh, your uh, trophy wall... <laughs> Yeah. So we, we just, for, especially for everybody here that may not have heard of what you what you can do, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what you're working with and how, and how you do what you do?
2: Well, basically, I have two services. One is I have a whitetail boot camp where people come to my 52 acres with 23-acre woods where I hold over a buck per acre on. I break every rule that's been written about whitetails. I show people how to zone their woods and zone the fields so they get more deer to live on it. And then the other thing that I do, and I travel all over the country, and I've done over 2,000 land managements, I go right to your land. We walk every inch. I ribbon and paint where beds go, buck beds, doe beds, fawning areas, nighttime bedding areas, stand locations, food plot designs, inner and exits. And then we put it all on an aerial map. Then we go through a checkoff list, and then once someone's a client, no matter what they do with me, boot camp or land management, they can contact me from then on. For any questions they have about their land or their hunting st- tactics, and uh, and so I, I travel everywhere. Yeah.
0: I, I have to believe that uh, this year with the change in uh, baiting regulations in the state of Michigan, that it's a game changer for you know hunters who are used to just baiting and uh, stuff, and almost
2: if you've got land, this is probably the way to go now. I mean, it's exclusively. Right. With the new rules. The, And the way everything's changing in the world, guys really need to become their own managers of their property. Nobody cares about their backyard but them. And so guys need to come in and learn how to put food plots. And and guys have a tendency to do things uh, oversize. You want lots of little food plots. You want to break everything up. And... And this creates movement and lets more deer. So, even the way you plant a food plot will determine how many fawns are born on your property. So, a doe will defend a 10 acre field if she can see it. So, I got a three and a half acre field at home that I had, I did a five year study. When it was one food plot, the bucks would come into one corner out of my buck beds, they'd make a rub, a couple of scrapes, and they would average about five minutes and they would not want to enter the food plot because they can see everything and they'd move on. The doe, every year she'd have her two fawns at the one end up by the road because coyotes won't go there. I broke it into 13 chunks with tall grasses so you can't see from one to the other. Now I average 10 fawns in that same piece of property because they only defend to the grass lines. But here's where the real thing matters. When a buck comes to that field, before he'd only be in the one corner so only one wind direction would work. Now, I have stands in all four corners, and he goes to each one of the food plots, poke his head in, and make rubs and scrapes. I average over 75 scrapes now on that field, and I average 55 minutes more time per buck visit from the old thing where you could see everything from one position. Wow. And now, are the bucks competing against each other? That's what it's all about. there'll be, like, several bucks to
0: visit that plot?
2: Yes, and that's another thing, and let's just talk about sanctuaries, and yep. it's a topic everybody knows, and yet it's misleading. The worst thing you could ever do is to put your deer in one spot, because you'll only ever own one mature buck in a sanctuary. So It's only going to be one five and a half. The two big boys fight, one wins, one moves on. He'll let other little bucks bet around him, okay, because he can whoop them and conquer them. So then at night, you're sitting out there in that stand, all the does come fl- fl- coming out of the sanctuary. And then you see the little bucks. The big buck will be nocturnal because he's king of the bedding area, and he knows all the does are in one neat pile. He'll wait until late at night to come out, and you created that thing. What does... And bucks, what you really want to do is put little sanctuaries, thick little areas all over your property. Now you can have four or five mature bucks have all their own little area, and now they're worried about what the other buck's doing, so now they come out to go mark the other area. The more competition you put on the property, the more they'll move. In fact, everyone wants to talk about food, water, and girls on the does part. Nothing makes bucks move more than other bucks. They really? cannot stand competition. So, again, go back to a male dog. You take a male dog to a park, he pees on a bush. Huh. Might be weird. All the other male dogs want to pee on Once a buck goes to a licking branch, every male buck in the area wants to touch that branch now. So right. it creates competition. So really, sanctuaries need to be very small and spread all over your property, and they should be in every type of habitat. Whatever a deer beds in, if he beds in cattail marsh all day, when he gets to the timber line, he does not want to step in from that world to the next because he likes the cattails. It's where he feels safe all day. The way you break that, if you've got a pine ridge, you make buck and doe beds. The cattail marsh, you want buck and doe beds. CRP, now each buck wants to go into the other buck's territory, and that makes him cross lines more than anything else. I tell everybody, I go, guys, the more I study deer, it's more competition. They are, cannot help themselves by going and checking out another area that a buck is working rubs and scrapes. That's awesome. I
1: think I just learned more in the last five <laughs> minutes. Whoa, oh, touching things. I said, I think I just learned the more in the last five minutes than I did in the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
0: just out of curiosity, Tony, what's the smallest property you've worked on, and what's the largest property you've
2: worked on? Well, um, I do a lot of properties that's five, ten acres. Really? So it's almost okay. got
0: five acres. Yeah. Works. yeah.
2: And then, and you know, we can't get a bunch of deer, but I can get that guy to kill a nice buck every year. Okay.
0: Okay.
2: okay. He ain't going to have a stockpile. But then I've done properties that are 6,000 acres. Okay. Now, all real estate buys you. Once you get up to 40 acres, you really can be your own thing. It ain't, it ain't the amount of acreage. All acreage buys you is mistakes. Okay. So a guy that owns 300 acres, he can make 10 major mistakes and may still kill a buck. You mm-hmm. own a 20-acre woodlot, you make one, it could be over. So I show people how to hunt, how to enter and exit, and how not to make the classic mistakes.
0: Okay. So Now, just out of curiosity, so I do a lot of hunting in the Upper Peninsula. Yep. It's totally different. Where I hunt, it's big woods, no crops. Do you, Are you able to do this in that type of environment?
2: Yes. In fact, I, today I just got done with the seminar, and one of the guys from the UP has 91 acres. Okay. And he, he'd like me to come up there, but he goes, it's different. And I go, it is totally different. But the deer are still deer. But let me explain something. The problem with big woods... Is deer or edge animals? So if you own 40 acres, a lot of guys will go buy 40 acres of pure timber. Deer are edge animals. Within 20 minutes, once he stands up, he will be to an edge. He's heading to an edge. It's where he browses, it's rubs, and scrapes are on edges. So the more edges you create on your property, the more deer you can hold, and the more time you'll use up. So the biggest trick is me to go up and show you how to make all these little openings all over your property. And it don't matter. You just cut a hole in the woods. Every deer run will into that hole because it's an edge. So now I can show you how to get more scrapes, rubs, and get them to move in a circular motion by the way we design it. So it, 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 it don't matter if I'm on ag land, I'm in Kansas and big brush, or, you know, switchgrass fields, or I'm in the UP where there's 15 miles of woods. They still all have things in common, and you just have to show people in their habitat how they change that world.
0: Wow. This is
1: this is,
2: this
1: is <laughs> Like, it makes sense. We've they, got a customer right here. <laughs> you Thank you.
0: Hey, you know, just, we got some people out here. You want to see if we got any questions out here for Tony? It makes no difference Ladies to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony LaPrade, if you got some questions for him. Anybody want to ask any questions about deer habitat, uh, making your land more accessible to deer?
2: And I do know... Uh, here's a thing that I'd like to talk about for a second that I know it's, I call it a classic mistake. A lot of people shoot does, which that's fine, but they do it wrong. And what I mean by that is your buck and does are bedded. Your bucks never lead the way. They are not. Once a buck gets three and a half years of age, he's a totally different breed of animal. It's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's that big of a change. And here's what throws people off. They watch young bucks and does and they think they got deer figured out. When that buck's three and a half, he's so different. And here's what I'm getting at. The big buck never leads the way. He sends the women and children, to be honest with you. Okay? He sits back and listens for stomps or snorts. He hears any of that. He ain't coming out of his area. The problem is it's the first of October, and you believe you need to shoot some does for your buck-to-doe ratio, which is wrong, too. I'm this guy. Okay, guys? (laughs) Ninety percent of what written about whitetails ain't right. Now, here's what happens. So now, these... Those are coming out at 3 o'clock, first part of the season, and you shoot one. And you believe you got to kill five. So you kill five in the first part of the week. Now, what you just did to them doe groups on your property, you put them all on high alert. Now they're going to stay in their beds until the last hour of daylight. Your buck will be nocturnal because he always wants them feeding for an hour before he comes. So on my property, because I don't shoot them does early... At 3 o'clock, there's does in every field, and by 4 o'clock, I got bucks everywhere. You shoot does in the first part of the season. You make your bucks nocturnal. Then when the rut comes, every doe you killed, you lost two days of rut activity. So now them five does just cost you 10 days of rut activity in the state of Michigan where there's basically 750,000 gun hunters. He will never come home now. So, guys, there is a way to do everything. And, really, at my boot camp, I cover 460 topics. Each one of them topics can have 10 to 20 different things you need to know on that topic. That's why it's two days. Talk 12 hours first day and never shut up. The so, point is, you got to understand it's all the little pieces, no magic bullets. So, that's the mistake people make with those. How do you... How are you doing?
0: How do you? Well, see,
2: a- you should never harvest your does until the tail end. You should let them be the time managers coming out at three o'clock, and now the buck will be out there at four o'clock. You harvest your bucks, and then at the tail end, if you need to shoot does, you shoot them at the very end of the season, and that literally keeps your younger bucks safe because what a lot of guys do is go out and shoot their does early. And then they get their buck or whatever, and late season they're not hunting, and now the little bucks are moving all over their property and now going to the neighbors, and no one's hunting now. Now the buck thinks season's over and you lose a lot of young bucks in muzzleloader season, where if you get your big buck shot right off the bat and the, around the best time, right around the 1st November, the 25th of October, that will be your peak of the scrape. That's when most guys, if you really understand deer, you'll tag then. Now what you do is you shoot your does late season when it's calm, you start shooting your does. The bucks all put their heads down in your sanctuaries and they don't move and you create you make them nocturnal. Now you protected them for the next year. All deer hunting is is a chess game. And I'm this guy, just like the baiting. They eliminated it. So everybody thinks, oh now we're done. Guys, every time you say something to me, I'm gonna turn around and answer it within a few seconds because that's the way I am. I, I ain't good at nothing else. Okay, I was a D student in school. Don't think I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant in the deer world. Okay, now here's the thing, guys ain't thinking about this, but we got a lot of issues coming up this year. First of all, all the crops got planted late. Yeah. The beans ain't gonna be harvested till we get our first freeze. There's green. They ain't gonna be harvested first of October. Corn is gonna be standing during gun season everywhere because we're gonna have to let it dry down. It got put in four weeks late. Yeah. Now here's the other thing that people don't realize: all these farms that couldn't get farmed. For the government programs, they're all putting in food plots. they got to put a cover crop is what it is, but it's really a giant food plot. So now these fields are 100 acres of brassicas, rye, winter wheat, and all they are is a cover crop. And now this food is going to be available to the... Deer. you're going to have standing corn and food plots and then you go up north where there ain't as much ag all the little food plots because there ain't no baiting all this food is not going to be available that will used to be put out so now they're going to move into all the guys that got the little food plots and they're going to eat them all before season even gets here you'll be devastated now how do you conquer something like that go out and put a hot wire around it Keep the deer out of it until it's time you can hunt, and then they will move in. If you let them eat right now, they're going to destroy your food plot before even deer season gets here. So, guys, I'm this guy that just shows people. I get people to look at their land for what it really is. People say, Tony, you know, I got this nice sanctuary. And I go, if we walk in there, 50 deer run in there, can they lay down? Guys, yeah. And then I show them what deer won't lay on, what they won't do. And all of a sudden, their sanctuary ain't so special. And we walk in, <laughs> and we never find a lot of beds. And I said, guys, I will tell you ahead of time before we get to a spot where the beds will be. Because why? It's all just a system of reading the signs. So a lot of properties, and for some of the people that are listening, you you can be your own guy to figure out if you own bedding area, why, what your issue is. So if you got a property And your deer runs are almost a straight line, a little curve. You'll see all deer runs always have a light curve. They never make a dead straight line. But I go to a lot of 40 acres, and there'll be six runs going through it. All that means is that's an interstate. That's like I-69 out here. Them deer runs mean deer are bedding one place and feeding the other, and your land's in their way. That's all it means. They're traveling through it because of that. Now, when you're going into a bedding area, Deer runs is like when you get off an interstate to a major city, we have side streets. So your deer runs at my boot camp, they come in from every angle. Now, that tells you deer bed on your property, but here's the biggest one. On them long trails when you just have deer crowding through, there'll hardly ever be a deer dropping in the, in the runs. Because why? It's simple as this. In the morning when we all get up, we go to the restroom, Because we bed it down. The deer are all bedded down in the woods right now, and around 3 o'clock they're all going to get up and start heading out to the fields. As soon as they get up within the first 70 yards, they're all going to the bathroom. So the deer runs that are all on angles and in the woods close together, they're all full of droppings. When they get to the feed trail, there's hardly ever a dropping on them. So, guys, I teach woodsmanship. You know, a lot of guys are, it it ain't that there ain't a great shot. It ain't that they don't got good stand locations. What they got is a whole bunch of pieces of the puzzle missing, and they add up to more than you think. And so I go, guys, you're on a trail where the buck is never going to get to you before it's dark. And so you're too far off. And I, so I show people. I go, guys like me, uh, Miles Keller is my hero. I just talked to him this year. Um, he's the guy that really got me into this as a young age. And um, he's retired now. He's told me this year I'm talking to him that he'll never hunt a whitetail again. And, uh, and, and yet he's a legend. The, what I'm getting at, though... In a weird way, whether you're me that builds beds and designs properties or Miles that travels all over the country and finds a buck, we all only hunt 90% stands. So here's what simple as it is. I find where the deer bed, so did Miles, and then he would back off just far enough that he could get into the stand. We hunt the 90%. So here's what the problem is. If the buck doesn't bed on your property, he beds across the road or a farm down, He will never be on your property more than 10% of his life during daylight hours. Guys, where he beds, he marks all his rubs and scrapes. And so when I get the deer to bed on my property, I own 90% of his daylight hours. So why do I find 90 sheds in two years off my property? Because it's where the buck spends 90% of his life. Most people go, we never find sheds. And I go... Well, no, because he ain't over here only 10% of his life. Wow.
1: That makes so much sense. Oh, my god. Once you start thinking about it.
2: Yeah, so it's all these little things. And, you know, in that the boot camp, you know, guys get a little overwhelmed, but yet you'd be amazed because if a guy comes to my boot camp, he's a whitetail fanatic, I call him. Yeah. It. And it's amazing. Like, you try to tell me a phone number, as fast as you give me a number, it's gone in my head. Okay. But I remember everything about everything I see in the woods. Yep. Why? Because it's my passion. And guys come, and you would think, I go, guys, call me anytime for any question. You'd think that every day I'd get 400 calls. <laughs> and it's amazing. Guys go, Tony, we go back to the notes and the book you give us, and, man, we look at Oh, yeah, I remember. Because it's what you like. Now, they, when do you run your boot camp? They start in March. I mean, uh, February a lot of times will start, depending on how bad the winter is. I run them in February up to about June. Okay. Land management started around March, and I run them to the middle of August. Um, guys, um, I'm 58 now, and I have no kids, and I've done very well for myself. And so I actually take a month off. I used to work all the way until October 1st. My wife said I'd never quit, but I have so many. I'm an <laughs> energy guy, and I like doing things. So I take off September, and now I'm going to only work till the middle of August from now on because okay. uh, I have so many other things that I'm passionate about.
0: Now, are there other guys that you're training?
2: I have a crew, like, so a lot of guys, they don't have the time. So I get there and say, here's where your buck beds should be, dough beds. And the guy says, well, okay, Tony, how do I, you know, I really don't got time to do this. And I said, hey, my guys can come in, and most properties, and a little property, a real little one, one or two days, they're going to get that thing jump started. Bucks will be building all over your property you and get scraped." Uh, a lot of bigger properties need three days. They may t- may need a couple of years. A lot of guys will have them two days for a couple of years in a row to get it off and run. Okay.
1: okay. So, so you, I, I know a lot, like my dad, for example, he's skeptical of this kind of thing. He doesn't want to hinge cut. He doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do that. I right hear you've uh, turned the most skeptical person ever into a believer
2: uh yes that's Ted Nugent yep and he's he is guys I have nothing but respect for this yep. man I mean anybody that he is the alpha male but uh Ted don't Ted was a tree hugger and uh I went to his property spent several days on it three days on his 650 acres and uh I mean, guys, you can't earn what he wrote about me on yeah, my website. He yep. said it was the most educational t- day in his entire life. Wow. And he says, Tony LaPrat is my new, I've been to the top of the mountain with Tony LaPrat, and I've seen the light, and he'll be my new whitetail guru forever. Oh. From a guy that, basically, he don't like you, he gotta tell you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about guys like him, like him, hate him. Yeah. Kid Rock, Ted Nugent, mm-hmm. guys like that. I admire anybody that doesn't be somebody else in front of other people, but is different when you're off stage. Yeah. Me, I'm that way too. I'm just. This is how I am 24-7. Important question. Did you get to meet the Queen of the Forest? (laughs) No, she was (laughs) not (laughs) there.
0: Dang it.
2: (laughs) Now, I did later. Guys, it's funny because I said to Ted Nugent, I says, um, I kind of like Kid Rock. (laughs) And um, I'm one of them old guys that never grow up. Well, the next day, Ted calls me and takes me with them and the band to Detroit to a Ted Nugent concert. Got to be behind the stage, do everything. And then we went to Iowa and opened for Kid Rock, and I got to go with the wow. band and everything, me and my wife. So uh, very nice. I mean, uh, hats off for them taking care of me like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Awesome. we had him on the podcast. It was, it was one of our best podcasts. We <laughs> should play that after this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I'm definitely a mar- We started
0: with the Queen of the Forest and passed the test, and she put us through the test. Ted, yeah.
1: So you have a seminar at 5. Is it, is yep. it all filled up? or
2: Nope. There, there, there's lots of seating here, guys, at Woods and Water. And then tomorrow I'm at 12.30 and 3.30. So okay. there's a lot of time to catch a lot of things. And, guys, whether you ever hire me for any of my service, you can't come to one of my seminars where you won't go home with 20 new different things. I, 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 I really try to pack in a lot in a short period of time, as you can tell. Yeah. yeah
1: no, <laughs> I but, I mean, that. it's... it's you know, everybody wants new hunting equipment. They think that's going to get them the big buck or do this new trick. But yeah. why don't you save Guys. that hunting equipment for a couple of years? and? Yeah.
0: Anybody <laughs> out there got a question for Tony? Hold on, we're going to bring you a microphone. No, oh, no, I was hi. <laughs> oh. right. Anybody got a question? I mean, now's the time to get some, probably some of the best white tailed deer knowledge you're ever going to get if you got property. They're nervous. Everybody's shy. Yeah, they are. So am I. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell.
2: Uh, Yeah, he was a former boot camp guy. Testament
0: to the boot camp. There you go.
1: Yeah, geez. Well, I mean, my mind's a little blown. I'm running out of words. Tony didn't run out of words. You
0: got to get him out to the airport.
1: Uh, Yeah, we'll see what we can do out there. But Yeah, that's... That's just some great information. That you, it's, oh, yeah. it's like it's there. You should be thinking about it, but you don't. You just, you've got tell blinders me, on. We, and I think you can remove can. the blinders. Can you talk
0: a little bit about, about and tell me a little bit about uh, your licking branches and how you...
2: Well, you know, deer are, are edge animals, and they communicate by licking branches. Okay. And so that is one of the most important things. So if you go along your fields and clean off all the branches... Your bucks ain't even going there during the scrape period because there's no place to make branches to make a scrape or a rub. So, guys, a lot of people don't realize the design of a food plot and the edges are the most thing. Here's what's funny. Guys will go out and plant a food plot, and they'll go out 10 to 20 feet from the edge and start their food plot. Now, what they just did is made the doe happy, and they gave the buck everything he doesn't want. Okay, so you're better off to have food for the first 20 feet in the center of the field be weeds than vice versa okay. because the does will eat wherever you put the food, but the buck will only work an edge, and he, he marks the rubs and scrapes where there is a food source for the does. That's why you go along an ag field, every branch that hangs out in the bean field has got a scrape underneath it because he knows the does there. You go to a CRP field in Kansas, they got Boone and Crockett bucks all over the property and you can't find a scrape or hardly a rub because there is no hard edges. They got weeds growing up CRP grass right to the tree line. The buck has nothing to mark. Okay, so
0: you put put in licking branches, right? Yeah,
2: and I redesign, and that's what I do. I show people to do the shapes of a food plot, how to make it be what you really want. Most guys are putting a food plot, and I walk into it, and I said, you made the does happy, and the buck will be down the road three miles when you're hunting here because it's nothing he wants. Hmm. See, it's no different than that dividing that three-and-a-half acres all up, and I will say this, too. If you own... A lot of fields on your property, and you're not using grasses as a main part of your design, you will never own a world-class property. Grasses are the deer's favorite thing to hide in. It screens them, they can't see what's going on, and they'd rather bed in tall grass than they would a woods. Because deer are a true prey animal and they don't want to see two feet in front of their face. Us, we want to see. Yeah. Deer don't want to lay down in the woods that they can see 300 yards in every direction.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. When you get into these woods that are thick or a cattail marsh, guys go out there in the swamp and they go, look at this bed out here. Get down in it and you can't see a foot in any direction. They go, no one can see me. They're like the little kid that puts the blanket over the head. The boogeyman can't see me now. Uh-huh. Okay? It's a weird way of looking at it, but that's the way I like to explain huh. stuff. Deer hunting... Is simple stuff if you just understand how they think. The animals, I like comparing them to dogs because it's the same thing. Male dog, he goes to a park. Talk about the licking branch. That buck knows where every branch is that he's going to put a scrape in already this year. Okay. Now, if there ain't branches in your field, that means he ain't visiting it. So you take a male dog to a park, and he'll pee on all the different bushes, mark them. The next time you go there, he's heading to every one of them bushes. He remembers every one of them. And the side that doesn't have no branch, nothing to that the other dogs went to, he won't even venture over there.
1: Yeah. I feel like I just wasted the last 30 years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what boot camp's for. Well, oh. you know we'll be there. Sign me up.
0: I'm in. So, uh, what... Where can they, what website can they go to? If Just to uh,
2: TonyLaprat.com TonyLaprat.com It's very simple, the guy's got a nice website Now right now there's no boot camps or land managements for the rest of the year This is my last day uh-huh. um, um, and so For 20
1: years, Stealth Cam has been at the forefront can of trail camera this? development and innovation from the industry's first 4K ultra-high-definition DS4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technology. That worked. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. That's all want.
0: right. You got to get the advertisements in. You know how
1: it is. Yeah. <laughs> so and we'll all be there as a seminar at five today. Everybody's waiting around. yeah uh, 5
2: o'clock. You, you should say you probably got tomorrow go. Also? Yes, at twelve thirty and three
0: thirty. Twelve thirty and three thirty tomorrow.
2: Okay. Today and at that, five. And where is it at? It's in the um, the white po- big pole barn next to the big blue pole okay. barn. Okay. It's As easy as to, you can see it from everywhere. Got it. Okay. And um, I, I will say that, guys, none of my uh, boot camps or dates for next year are out yet. Cause I don't do that until in the winter time. Okay. In my time off. But okay. if you call my wife, her number, she'll get the information and you get a, a text right off the bat of when the dates are going to be before we put it on the website and everything to okay. give the other people first chances that have contact us.
0: There you go. If you guys are interested in uh, getting to into boot camp, learning learning a whole lot about probably what you thought you knew <laughs> and, and relearn it all, uh, that'd be great. I, I really,
2: I'm going yeah. to yeah, do it. Yeah,
1: I'm excited.
0: I got to get into it.
2: Yep.
1: So, so right. thank you uh, for thank joining you us.
2: guys. Joining I us. mean, in any more... That we need all the information we can get because the laws are changing yeah. quickly. And guys, land is so expensive; it's crazy to own it and not get the full bang out of it. Exactly. Absolutely. All right.
1: It's all right. Thanks well, for everybody for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time
2: on the Bowhunter Plant Podcast. All right, let me.